Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. As a quick note, this episode was recorded way back in March before COVID-19 had hit, so a lot of things we talked about have changed since then. There are a lot of events and uh, releases that have been pushed back or canceled, so your best bet is to go to Manor Hill's social media channels or to Manor Hill's website to get up-to-date information on everything that has changed. Uh, And with that, uh, on with the episode. Hello, I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today in studio, we have Eric Gleason and Corey Mall. Eric um, is a longtime friend of the show, and it's it's been quite a while since uh, we've talked, so thank you for coming in. Thank you for inviting me. Now in your newish role as the Director of Brewing Operations at Manor Hill Brewing, and then Corey is the Director of Marketing at Manor Hill Brewing, which uh, during our first attempt at starting this uh <laughs> episode i was reminded that you you will be around for five years coming up soon so i assume there's probably a big anniversary party that'll be planned for that that's right we do a festival every june and so june 2015 was when we started brewing so this this year in june 20th will be our five-year anniversary so gonna blow it out and do a couple of stages with live music and cool we'll get in i imagine we can get in a little more details on that uh once a uh, little later on. Um, so, Eric, how how long have you been with Manor Hill now? I've been there since uh, about October. Okay, so th- I can still call it new. It's still new to me. <laughs> it feels new. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that's got to be quite a big difference because is that your first brewing, jo- like, first job outside of a brew pub? No, actually, I yeah, I had worked with Pub Dog. Uh, okay, in Westminster that, doing right. contract brewing and contract bottling for a bunch of different places. I forgot about Pub. I was yeah. only thinking of uh, Growlers and um, Barley and Hops, mm-hmm. RIP. Yeah. No, I've been with George for probably like a year and a half. And in that role, I did uh, brewing for him. And then because of my project management and accounting background, I ended up doing all of his like uh, brewers of operation reports and um, you know, keeping track of inventory and those kinds okay. of things. So, All the things you're doing now, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a whole lot of things to talk about cause you guys are pretty busy over there on the farm. Yeah. Especially now that the weather's turning, uh, the farm experience is going to be more than beer this year. So we're really trying to showcase the cattle and the chickens. Um, we're doing some beers that, that showcase our chickens on the farm and, make it more about just the, the brewery and, and kind of the thing that makes us unique is that 54-acre farm. Would that be Crooked Beak? That's Crooked Beak. He's he's uh, no longer with us, um, but he is our original rooster in our chicken coop series. I assume he had a Crooked Beak. He did, yeah. So <laughs> so his name is pretty self-explanatory, but um, yeah, the, the picture on the glass kind of shows it, but his, his beak just didn't touch. Um, and we were worried he wouldn't be able to eat or wouldn't be able to kind of thrive, but he, he kind of became the ruler of the roost and protected the chickens from a fox invasion. So he kind of was a little bit of a hero on his way out too. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, not quite, but partially yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Silver lining. Um, well, actually, first of all, this beer is really good. I'm enjoying the phone tag that you guys made with our friends over at Idiom. Um, 
when did, when was this made? I don't, somehow so, I missed this. Uh, it's uh, you haven't missed it. It hasn't been released yet. Well, then I don't feel bad anymore. No, it's actually part of our first Friday <laughs> series. So on the first Friday of every month, we drop two new beers. Um, first at the um, at the farm, and then they go to the restaurants, and then they go into distribution the following week. Uh, we contacted Michael back in geez, man, uh, probably back in like november and it was like back and forth like hey you want to do a collab yeah let me call you back let me call you back let me so it <laughs> it turned into a game of phone tag and eventually we got it together we put it on the calendar for the march release and um mike came out probably uh i would say the end of january we were uh putting this in the tank might have been the first week of february so um and before we started recording you were telling me about the the Brewer does the artwork for these, um, which I, I, I really, I like this, this can a lot. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Kurt Kroll, our head brewer is a, is an artist on the side. And so he's got a pretty cool Instagram page where he does grass graphic novella kind of artwork. What's and, the name of his page? Uh, Kroldom. K-R-O-L-D-O-M. All right, cool. I will look that up. Yeah. And so he's, He's really talented. He's done all of our chicken artwork. If you come to the farm, you'll see his artwork hanging up in the the tasting room. And I'd say 75 to 90% of the the can artwork you see uh, is, comes straight from him. It's his head right to right to the can. Um, so inside and out. Yeah. Malta. <laughs> exactly. Renaissance. Leverage man. the resources <laughs> we have on hand. <laughs> what well, I think. I'll start. <laughs> I think. Um, Except for like some breweries have their uh, have their regular people that they use all the time that helps. But I think when a brewery has an artist in house, it it really helps with the like giving the brand it's like a, a strong identity and a feel. Because I'm sure he's not going to go make art for another brewery, yeah. so it, it it gives you guys an exclusive on his personal style. Yeah, it's a cool story, and also he—I mean—we have to do the artwork so far in advance to get it approved and printed, and so he actually knows the vision of the beer and can kind of make the labels match. We're not, you know, having to involve a third party to kind of get on board with that. What's the story behind the name Phone Tag? Is there a reasoning for that? Or oh, it was like I was saying. It was just paying. we were back and forth so many times, just trying to get the beer together um, and and actually get a date nailed down for this collaboration. I mean, I think, I think we started with like January in mind when I joined became february became march and <laughs> by the time we finally pulled it together we're like all right we got to make this happen so even in terms of recipe development we went back and forth um just to get you know <laughs> an idea together for what we we're going to do yeah, sometimes you just have to tie mike down and force him to pick right a date. <laughs> well it was half time it was him and half the time it was us because right. you know he's like hey i can come out next week and like next week's no good not welcome then yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so speaking of coming out to actually let's save that for a second. Um, so first Friday that this is coming out this coming Friday, correct? Which is actually in the past because I don't know when this will release. So that was March sixth, yeah. right? Um, so once a month, how many different is it? One? We do two releases, two releases. every Friday, okay. or every first Friday, excuse me. Um, one of them is usually like a hazy IPA and the other is either an IPA or a sour or uh, last month we did uh, like a candy bar type of stout. So so are those, um, are those always going to be one-offs or if they're popular they could end up into a rotation or is the plan to the 
the first Friday ones to always be like just something new and fresh. We like to keep it fresh and relevant, but that's not to say that we're not going to bring back some greatest hits. Um, for example, like this year in June, we're going to be bringing back a beer that was very popular, uh, Citrus Stupor, which is uh, uh, basically a bigger version of our Citrus Splendor that's always around. Um, beer is very popular when it was first uh, brewed and it hasn't been seen for several years. So we're going to bring that back and kind of get it some shine as a first Friday series. And as part of the anniversary, um, a couple of the other ones that we do, um, more as a series, uh, we have like sleeves and no sleeves, uh, sleeves is brewed in the winter. It's typically like a darker, bigger beer. Like, uh, this year we did a big Baltic Porter, um, next year, I think Kurt's got a winter warmer in mind. And then No Sleeves is a nod to uh, Brian, who walks around in muscle shirts in the brewery all the time. So Kurt's beer is Sleeves. Um, Brian's beer is No Sleeves. And he'll do something that's obviously lighter for the season. I think this year he's looking at some sort of a pale ale, perhaps with uh, a honey component. So And Crooked Beak started out as a first Friday release. Okay. And so that was one that gained enough popularity and kind of had a cool story to tell with our uh, chicken series. So we we made that. Now that's our house beer at the tap room, um, and we produce it year-round. What um, what else is in the chicken series? So, so for 2020, we're doing four, and we're releasing glassware to coincide with it each quarter, kind of like when you were a kid and you'd collect, like, the McDonald's glasses or, you know, the gas station would have those Those glasses. are surprisingly valuable now. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's Just going... that nostalgia component. Yeah. <laughs> when you see this puppy in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, someone on Maryland Beer Drinkers Group, I think it was, or, or it was on Instagram, had posted a photo of a beer in an old school McDonald's glass. I was like, I'm jealous now, I want one. I, yeah. I, don't, and I, I looked on eBay and I was like, yeah, I don't want one anymore. <laughs> not nearly that cool. Yeah, these are limited, but not certainly not that uh, not that rare. But we're gonna, we did Rhodey already in January, so he was our Rhode Island Red. Crooked Beak's gonna be April, and we have Myrtle and Bandit later this year and then and all the artwork again was kurt and we've got four more in the the hopper for 2021 so we'll just kind of keep that so is that each each beer is named after after one of the chickens on the farm and then the art is that actual chicken exactly yeah that's cool yeah so kurt already did the artwork people are really in the chickens so there's i i wouldn't be surprised if there are people that come to get those beers and the glass were simply because they it's don't even ch- drink beer yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's simply because it's chickens yeah. it's, it it's amazing how into chickens some people are yeah. yeah um all right we'll take a real quick break thank our sponsors and when we get back let's talk about um the recent change and um, the visit the farm experience that the shift you're doing for that. You may have noticed something a little different in the Roast House Pub parking lot. They are now offering beer and food to go from their food truck. The food truck will be open starting April 3rd from 4.30 until 7.30. On Saturdays, they will open for lunch from 11.30 until 2.30 and then for dinner from 4.30 until 7.30. On Sundays, they will be open for lunch from 11.30 to 2.30 and then for dinner from 4.30 until 7. As you are aware, things are constantly changing, so make sure to check out RoastHousePub.com and their social media channels for up-to-date information and menus. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of India Pale Ales, delicious fruited sours, robust porters and stouts, and crispy pilsers and lagers, 
Idiom Brewing Company prides themselves on continuing to innovate, utilizing new and or experimental hops, local ingredients, and unique flavor, flavor profiles. Unfortunately, you can't enjoy their tap room, which is located along beautiful Carroll Creek in downtown Frederick. Thankfully, you can enjoy their delicious beer to go and even have it delivered throughout the Frederick area. You can check out their menu options and place your order at idiombrewing.com. Make sure to follow them on social media for up-to-date options and hours during these ever-changing times. All right, so previously, I wouldn't say it was hard, but there was a little bit of friction of being able to visit the farm because you had to have reservations. Um, but from my understanding, that has changed or... Yeah, it has because it was on the first was when that changed, right? Yeah, so starting uh, in March, we've decided to kind of make it a little easier for folks to visit the farm. We're calling it the farm experience, uh, which is going to showcase not just the tasting room where we have our, our beers on tap, but also kind of the chickens we've talked about. As it gets warmer, we're going to have hops and corn and gardens. We've got bees now. We'll have cows. Um, and making it more like some of the other farms throughout Howard County in Maryland, where you want to just come out for the day and hang out on the farm and bring a picnic lunch and, and spend some time there with your family. And, and a big part of our farm is obviously our tasting room. And we wanted to make it more accessible, remove any obstacles to, to visiting. We've gotten a pretty good grasp of what to expect at the farm by using that reservation system. And now we feel comfortable that, you know, we can we can lift that that barrier to having folks visit us and just welcome them to come out Fridays and Saturdays. Um, what are the hours on Friday and Saturday? That you're so open? Fridays were open four to nine p.m. and then Saturdays eleven a.m. to nine p.m. Okay. Um, and anyone who hasn't been there, I mean, I haven't been there for a while, so I don't know if if there's been much added to it since then. But when I was there, the place is absolutely beautiful. Like it, when you're as you're pulling up, you're like. Wow, this place is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's 54 acres. You get to see about 25 of it are kind of active farming. It's a part of our working farm. When you drive in, you got corn on the right and Angus cattle on the left. Uh, the hop field is right where you park. And then the tasting room is kind of surrounded by herb and vegetable gardens and our chicken coop. So there's, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And there's a lot to see. And you can spend some time there and, and, and see whatever you want. So... Does a lot of the stuff from the farm get used at the restaurants? So definitely the chicken eggs. So everything that, okay. that, that our chickens produce gets sent. And, you know, when it's Maryland's, you know, a, a seasonal climate. So, yeah. so, so it's limited. To yeah. That. So between October and January, there's not a lot that comes from our gardens that goes to our restaurants. But um, once summer hits, you know, everything from tomatoes to squash to herbs to fruits and vegetables all get sent to our restaurants. And we're actually looking once the production of the the fruits and vegetables pick up to actually start a farm stand at the the Manor Hill Farm so that you can come and grab a beer and then maybe take some you know cherry tomatoes and you know some herbs home with you as well while you're there. Those are to, eggs and tomatoes are two things that I'm absolutely astonished by how different they taste if they're grown like just in a garden or on a small farm. Or what you buy at the grocery store. Yeah, the first time someone, I think it was a coworker, gave me eggs from one of their chickens, I couldn't believe how much more flavor those eggs have compared. And then the same thing like tomatoes. Tomatoes taste like nothing. And then you get one from a garden and yeah. there's actual flavor. So we're looking forward to yeah, so you can get really good beer and yeah. <laughs> really good produce. Exactly. 
Um, going for the ultimate experience, go to the restaurant and let the chef prepare something from the garden. That's, that's like some of the best stuff that we make. So I've, I've never been to the restaurants. Are, are they in old town Ellicott city? Like were they affected by the floods at all or are they in a safe area? So we have one of our restaurant, the oldest restaurant that actually got us into the craft beer business is Victoria Gastropub. That one's in downtown Columbia. That's been uh, going on year 13 now. And then the Manor Hill Tavern, which is basically our sister restaurant. So when we're only open Fridays and Saturdays, we encourage people to go yeah. there because they you know, carry our limited release stuff as well. That's in Old Ellicott City, but it's up the hill from Main Street. Okay, so it, so, it hasn't been part yeah, of the so devastation. We've been, we've been impacted, but not to the extent that Lower Main, for sure. Did you get to meet... Uh... Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we uh, we and and there was such a, a hush about it all. Like we, you know, the producers told us that there was going to be something going on yeah. and that they needed to close the lot, but not until the Hell on Wheels truck showed up did we even know how big that was going to be. Have you ever watched that show? Not in a while. Like I know it's it's popular. All it makes me do is really worry about going to restaurants. <laughs> I mean, at least like the worst ones that they show on that show, the front of the house kind of gives you a hint of probably what's happening in the back. But there's been a couple episodes where like the front looked pretty nice and then the stuff they found in the back was appalling. So like, I watch that show. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to go to a restaurant anymore. Yeah, we get so, visited by the health department all the time, just routinely. So it's hard a, to think that 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 still happens. In and some that's places. also <laughs> like stuff I've thought too. So yeah. I'm I'm betting the places he went to in Ellicott City aren't there. It's probably not from that standpoint, right? No, this, this was whole, this was about a positive kind of yeah, like it was setup, all built yeah. around revitalizing a, an area that had been devastated. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. This, I, the last I heard is this is going to be like a two hour special. Yeah. So it's going to be a little different than most of his remake shows. And there I, were multiple affected businesses and they weren't just restaurants, right? There yeah. Was, one yeah. was a barbershop slash social club too. That's and there was a market or. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So like a deli kind of market. Yeah. Coffee shop. He's one of those people. I wonder if he, is he nicer in person if you meet him, or is he like even worse? I doubt it. I just want more than anything to be yelled at by Gordon Ramsay. I would give my right arm to have him just like, ah, "What's wrong with you?" Have you ever watched um, the YouTube videos, Hot Ones? No. So it, they're amazing. It's a they have ten hot wings that are increasing increasing in temperature. And he interviews his guests and asks questions in between eating each hot wing. And when Gordon Ramsay was on, it was just amazing. So he was like, eating the wings? Yeah. Well, okay. they both they oh, both, they both eat do. it while they're going yeah. through it. And like, oh, I have to look this up. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing. <laughs> like Gordon Ramsay would take a bite and then just tell the guy to go F himself. <laughs> it was hilarious. Like it was eating like donuts in one bite, because I guess the the donuts will cut down on the heat. I don't know, maybe the sweetness or sugar. I'm not sure. He's the chef. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's hilarious because he's just like he'll take a bite, swear, and yell at the guy and, and go on. <coughs> All right. So it's much easier to go to the farm now and visit, and more things to uh, enjoy while you're there. Yeah. 
And you can still uh, enjoy beer by the glass or beer to go. Uh, we offer crowlers, growlers, um, limited growlers are left. We're actually doing a promotion, um, trying to blow through our remaining stock. If you fill a growler, you can take the glass with you. Um, and re- then cans. We have case, cans and cases. Do people do growlers much anymore? We sell I a know. handful. Of, like I look at the receipts after yeah. the weekend. There's a handful. Um, but now that we have a crawler machine and crawlers yeah, are so that's pervasive, I, that's the way everybody's going. I, I don't know that like I've ever been to recently been at a brewery and saw someone get a growler filled. Like you see tons or they have those of hydro flasks. They have like the fancy yeah, ones, not yeah, the old I, school glass. I even I I went I have a bunch of those <laughs> and it's still the same thing. I just get a crawler filled because it's easier yeah unless i if i if i'm going somewhere further in a way when it's warm out then i'll make sure i have a hydro flask with me because then i'll fill it with ice first yeah get really crazy so it's nice and cold inside and then fill it with beer hydro flasks are now for your cocktails and your mixers you yeah. take those and then your crowlers <laughs> um sorry i interrupted you so you're trying to and then after that you won't get any more yeah because we just made. we're sitting yeah. on a couple yeah. growlers since we've gotten our crowler machine and we've seen People just aren't interested, like you said, in growlers. That so. seems to be a more, um, actually, maybe uh, branded growlers that are going to become collector's items because right. more, more and more <laughs> breweries don't have their own branded growlers. It's, they'll fill other people's, but I, I imagine it's the exact same thing where they just don't see the value in spending the money to have ones made because everyone's just going to get a crowler filled. Yeah. Yeah, we've actually seen people cut the tops off of them and make candles out of them and like repurpose them because you know they don't want to. They're build. useless for beer yeah. holding. <laughs> yeah. When I was at Growlers, we had the old uh, German glass style ones, yeah. um, and they had the lamp lighter dude on the on the uh, on the handle. Oh, cool! And there, I mean, they were really cool, but I keep my spare change in them now because they're worthless <laughs> yeah. for beer. And those ones are really hard to pour, mm-hmm. at least for me. And they don't fit in the fridge. In. Yeah, they don't yeah. fit anywhere. It's really awkward to try to pour it without getting the flap to fall down back over top of the opening. And they're, I, don't, I always had trouble closing them, too. Maybe it's just because I'm slow. Um, all right, take one, uh, one more quick sponsor break, and then we'll get into um, probably – a little more details on the fifth anniversary party. District East now offers curbside pickup and a personal shopper service to pick your favorite beer and wine. They're instituting a policy of social distancing by bringing your order to your car. Their hours of operation will stay the same. This is their small way of trying to reduce gatherings of large groups of people while still delivering the service their customers have come to expect. You can view their inventory at www.districteast.beer. To place orders, you can call 240-651-0500 as well as calling and texting 240-367-4961 and 240-367-4149. You can stay up to date with their offerings on all of their social media channels. Vanished Farmwoods Brewery may have to close their tap room, but you can still get their beer to go. They will be open for to-go beer sales of four packs and crowlers seven days a week from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Please follow them on their social media channels for up-to-date information. At Vanish Beer on Instagram and at Vanish Brew on Facebook. So you've been around for five years, which it seems to be a... You guys opened right around the same time a lot of other places. 
at five five six years is where like a sweet spot i think for where there was a way early edge of that big wave yeah. yeah for sure um so the well i do you want me to give the rundown of things that i know are going to happen there or you just want to tell me them you'll start and i'll <laughs> uh i'll chime in so you're gonna have two stages with live music yeah, so we've had uh, Soul Island Rebels, who's a, we do local bands, so we bring them out, and they've done the last couple years, and uh, we're going to have a main stage out in our courtyard, so if you've been to the brewery, you got kind of that paved area right out front where we'll have a main stage, and then around back by the chicken coop, we're going to have like an acoustic stage for the first time, so we'll be able to spread people out throughout oh, the farm. Cool. Yeah. Axe throwing? Axe throwing. So there's a new, uh, there's a mobile axe throwing company that, that rolls in <laughs> with a uh, trailer with chain link fencing around it and the axe targets on the back. Stationary targets only yeah. no people. We signed the, <laughs> the waivers and everything, so it's, it's all good. And uh, he's actually opening a business in Old Ellicott City. Okay. So it'll be kind of a cool tie-in to, to kind of introduce him to the community as well. I... I'm still amazed by the mixing of throwing axes with alcohol. It seems like a natural fit, doesn't it? (laughs) He said he's only had to cut somebody off once or twice in his uh, mobile axe throwing career. I mean, it it definitely... Throwing an axe is definitely like a here, hold my beer type moment. (laughs) Yeah. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. (laughs) But I don't know. It just... It doesn't seem like something that Maryland laws would allow you to do. Surprisingly. Like, yeah. <laughs> they just, just wait. Know, just wait. Seriously. <laughs> That's a, we should probably enjoy this fun while we can right. until one of them is made aware of the existence of this. Because right. Enjoy like, your beer from your Viking horn. And <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I So I'm moving and we looked over into our neighbor's yard and he has one of those axe throwing uh, um, targets in his yard. So apparently- Is that my, like trampolines? My, now we're just taking it up a level. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently my future neighbor throws axes in his backyard. You guys are going to get along great. Yeah, that's what I would- that was, I have beer, you have that, axes. That was actually- We are my, now friends. <laughs> that was actually my first thought was like, cool, I'm probably going to get to drink with my neighbor. <laughs> um. So, uh, thankfully, it's fenced in with uh, metal, uh, so there'll be axe throwing. Yeah, we're not at all responsible for that. That's a vendor <laughs> yeah. coming in, and he's going to take care of that for us. Um, yard games. Yeah. So, so is that like lawn darts? Corn, uh, <laughs> cornhole, mostly cornhole. So we're going to... I didn't know if you were just continuing. <laughs> we have some old school lawn darts that have been banned. No, uh, mostly cornhole and ladder ball and uh, what's the Frisbee one? Uh, can jam. So that kind of stuff just spread out. Have you ever seen the mate the meme? Um, it's something along the lines like it's amazing anyone survived the seventies and eighties and like lawn darts as well. Those one are mostly the, my pictures, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like we had lawn darts at my grand my grandparents had a have a farm that like that's where everyone in the family like everyone was there on weekends and they had volleyball nets and basket like a little basketball court and lawn darts and stuff. And I mean, probably why they were outlawed is we did the normal, like we threw it up in the air, straight up in the air, and then just watch it right. come down. I don't know how none of us were impaled. I've actually seen one of those go through someone's foot once. Church picnic, no lie. <laughs> 
And I don't think there was drinking involved. I think it was just stupidity. Like, was... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like lawn darts were a stupid enough idea that alcohol <laughs> didn't have to be involved for them to be dangerous. Yeah. Let's just take this semi-heavy metal tipped dart and have people throw it. Yeah. So back and forth. Yeah. Right. Back right. At each other because they're probably going to just be standing on the other side, yeah. so I don't have to walk. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the only non-family friendly game is would be the axe throwing. Everything else, I think, is going to be probably yeah. pretty safe. Maybe we'll take some of our extra growlers and do a ring toss or something, and kind of. I thought they're going to throw axes yeah. at the growler because I mean, that sounds like that fun. sounds sporting. Yeah. <laughs> um, farm tours. Farm so tours. Yeah. So as as part of um the farm experience we're going to make sure we have signage and everything else set up that people can see all the chickens and the cows and the bees and just be a part of kind of seeing all the stuff that we have going on so they're self-guided the farm tours but we actually have brewers that'll hang out in the the production brewery to be able to show people around and see the canning line and the tanks and and be a part of that it's um that's part of the brewery tour experience yeah so. It's amazing how um, popular agritourism has become. I wasn't going to throw out that fancy word, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, so to to make it agritourism, we we absolutely are doing the farm tours. Um, and then there will, as any anniversary party, there will be special anniversary beers, and those will be, or Good. are those to be determined? No, I'll let Eric talk about those. Um, well, one of them I want to kind of keep a little bit of a surprise. Um, no, we want to know. All right, well then I'll tell you. <laughs> so, um. Uh, our farmhouse beer, our signature farmhouse beer is Grisette, and we've done a series of barrels with different fruits, and we've got them resting right now, trying to figure out which one will be the best one. That will be the anniversary beer. I don't know which fruit yet. I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. You have to wait and see. Mangoes? Uh, not mangoes. Uh, it's going to be fruit like fruit that like you'd find on the farm, like raspberries you know, around here. Yeah, raspberries. So like raspberries, blueberries, you know, other stuff. Pawpaws? No pawpaws. Bananas don't belong <laughs> in beer. My humble opinion. Pawpaws are considered a banana? Oh, it tastes like bananas. Uh, I've never tasted one. Yeah. Only beers made yeah. with pawpaws. So, no, no we're going to do that. And then uh, there's going to be um, some limited bottles. Um, we're actually doing a limited bottle series this year from our farmhouse in Funk Barn. Um, there'll be four releases, kind of like we're doing with the uh, the Beak and the Coop series. Um, we're going to call one Seed, So. Uh, reap and rest so it kind of reflects the agricultural season okay. by the anniversary party we might have one or two of those available but the idea is that you know at the end of the year we'll have holiday four packs so you can have the whole farm year experience from the farm i love how like all in on being a farm brewery manor hill is that's what we're trying to get folks to realize is that we are a farm. And yeah. um, even though we've got this really big distribution footprint and that's how we've grown up to this point, um, we are a farm and it's very much part of a local uh, experience we want people to have when they come see us and to connect with our brand. Because it really, it really wasn't always like that in the, from the beginning, right? I mean, it's not like you hid that you were a farm brewery, but it wasn't like all in on being a farm brewery. Yeah, I mean, we started as a farm, and, and, yeah. and before we ever brewed beer, it was a working farm. But when we started brewing beer, our goal was to grow the brand through our distribution network and kind of over time realized that what sets us apart is that we have this cool venue that people should come out and check out, and that's what makes us different from all the breweries that you know do the same thing as us, but they're sitting in an office park, not on a 54-acre yeah. kind of scenic spot. Let's say because there's some farm breweries, it's, they happen to be a brewery on a farm. Right? right. It's not, they don't really 
it's not part of their marketing. It's not part of their story. Um, and then there's places like Milk House is like that is like they are. I love Tom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah there's yeah. no one. I can't. I would love to find the person that does not like Tom and ask them to please explain to me what it is because <laughs> I can't imagine that person exists. Unless maybe I don't like want to know that person, <laughs> someone that he was up against when he was a lawyer or something. Yeah. Like maybe that's yeah. <laughs> um, but like that's that is their image. Like they like they are a farm that brews beer, mm-hmm. and it feels like that's kind of. Um, I mean, it's a little bit different for you guys because, like as you said, you built the brand so much through distribution and stuff. But it's still like with the marketing and your story now, it's. You're, you're Just a farm. Remind people that yeah, that's that what, you're yeah. a farm that makes yeah. beer also. Yeah. Yeah, and now that our farm, other farm products like the eggs and the fruits and the vegetables have picked up to the, the point where they can supply our restaurants and more, it's it's given us an ability to kind of promote that as well. So um, did we, is there, did I miss anything with the um, people gotta anniversary eat. party? People got to eat. So food trucks. We're going to have... I don't know, maybe half a dozen food trucks. Oh, nice. So we're calling it a food that, truck rally just because, you know, that's the term people are familiar with. So we're going to have pizza and tacos and all kinds of good stuff. Is it hard to get that many food trucks at a time on a weekend in the summer? So we started. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. No. How much time do you have? I mean, yeah. I would just think because they're really, they're. So we There found- are more breweries than there are food trucks and. Like there's so like almost every brewery has a food truck at their place every weekend. So it's yeah. So we've we've been doing the festivals in June and October every year for the last three and a half four mm-hmm. years. So last October, the trucks that like killed it and you know had a great time. They want to be back. Yeah, they want to be back. And so I said, hey, Mark, June twentieth, like okay. we want you guys on board. And then um, through our restaurant relationship, one of our former chefs started a food truck. And we were able to get him on board, and he's a member of the Food Truck Association or whatever that is, and he picked up a few more for us. Oh, cool. And we started that process, you know, back in November. Yeah. So we're looking six, seven months out, and that's the only reason why we're able to lock them in. And we're also expect. I'm sorry. We're also expecting a really big pop. I mean, where we've had like seven or 800 people, we're like doubling that this year for this event. We're hoping to have a much So it's an appealing event for them to come to. You know, they're going to sell out of whatever they bring. A proven event, a big anniversary, so they're sure you're probably going to promote it just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Any other activities like (laughs) flamethrowers? No, we're going to, we'll build it slowly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're, they're illegal in Maryland. What the fire throwers? Flamethrowers. That's a shame because I know yeah. a really good one. I used to work with her. She was awesome. Oh no, no, I mean like like, like a, the we- oh, the I weapon. Meant, I thought you meant like fire dancers. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think they're illegal. Oh okay. I mean, I'm basing that. On, well, no, they can't be because that don't they normally have those at fire and ice cream? Yeah. No, I meant like the Elon Musk boring company flamethrowers. Oh. Like you couldn't buy one of those. Yeah, I can see Mar- those illegal in Maryland. In Maryland, because they yeah. It may not no be a bad fun. idea, though. I don't know. Oh. Density, population, <laughs> flammable fuel. I don't know, but it looks cool. Be a lot of fun to play with one. <laughs> Somebody else's farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a house. People live there. Not a good idea. Um, actually, I, w- I want you to talk about this beer a little bit because I'm really enjoying this one, and I like the idea of the artwork and the name. 
So this was the brainchild of uh, one of our brewers who's going to be leaving us. His name is Eric Cross. Eric's going to actually work with Silver Branch and uh, go down and work with Christian and Brett. Uh, he had the idea to brew a West Coast palate wrecker. So if you think like Green Flash days, um, this is a 99 IBU West Coast style IPA with Chinook, Amarillo, Topaz, and Simcoe hops. And it's at 99 IBU calculated. We all know the difference between calculated and perceived bitterness. Yeah. But like this is how it like dials according to the formula. The idea is that if there's one more IBU, it unlocks this character. And the character is a spooky cow uh, from the farm. What's the cow's name? I don't know. You have to ask Eric. I don't. I don't know what the cow's name is. <laughs> What's it was cow's his name? character. We don't cow. We don't name the cows. No, we eat the cows. They don't really name the cows. There's one cow that we <laughs> name because he has a mask. Like he's got white on his face. Uh-huh. The rest all look the same. So okay. it's too hard to tell them apart. My grandfather always named his cows, and my mother and her sisters didn't like the idea of, because part of the like. Because he just had, he was, I think, a gentleman farmer. He did it as a hobby, and it was mainly just he would, once a year, he would butcher one or two cows, and then, like, everyone in the family would get parts of it. It's a lot of meat. <clears throat> but he would always name it after someone in the family. <laughs> <laughs> so that person That's that year. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I don't know if he did it on purpose or, like, he was just didn't want to have to put any thought into names. Like, Here you go, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> You're eating Fred. Yeah. Um, so it was always whatever the person who's was named for the, the was named for that year didn't like the idea of it. I don't think there was ever a Chris one though, because he had <clears throat> didn't have uh, stopped raising cattle by that point. <laughs> but now I'm kind of sad that the cow doesn't have a name. I have to ask Eric. I'll send you an email. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know if it had a name. Just I mean, just make one up and tell me it did. So. Fred. <laughs> um, so then you you also have um, I got your six. Is that a special? That's a is that a beer name or is that an event? So that is a beer that came up. Um, this is for veteran suicide awareness. Uh, one of our brewers is a veteran, uh, Brandon Miller Millhouse, and he came up with the idea for an I got your six beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the idea that the uh, portion of proceeds goes to benefit um, suicide awareness for veterans. And with that, we brewed it with red, white, and blue ingredients. I think there's, what, red wheat, white rice, and blue corn. And then with, uh, was it Liberty and Independence hops? Oh, cool. So it's a lager that's only, um, it came out last November. And I think we're probably planning on doing that again this year and contributing to that cause. So... um you recently did a beer with um, McClintock. What was the name of that? It was called My Old Friend. That's. I have a can of it. I just haven't had a chance to try yet. But I've from the McClintock guys. They mm-hmm. said it's one of the best um, beers that came out of their barrels. Oh, that's cool. Um, we actually have canned that beer. It's available only at the brewery and the restaurants because uh, for some reason we didn't put a barcode on it, so you okay. can't put it on shelves. But come by the brewery and you can try it. Um, we featured it at uh, the Spirits of Southern Maryland down in, um, what was it, the Patuxent Air Station we'll a couple weeks up. ago. Yeah. yeah. And it was very well received. So that's a cool project where we actually got a whiskey barrel from McClintock, made an Imperial Stout, rested the product in their barrels, and then sent the barrels back um, so that they can take a stout-aged barrel and make another expression of whiskey. 
Um, we've done something, we're doing something similar right now also with the Clonakilty uh, distillery from Ireland, where we're taking, uh, in this case, we started with a Jack Daniels barrel, rested the Baltic Porter in it, and we're sending it over to Clonakilty for when they make their Irish whiskey. They're going to rest a product in that, send it back as an American expression. Uh, I think we're looking at like May or June for that. And um, we'll do a side-by-side where we release the beer and the the spirited version from the collaboration. And the cool thing about Clonakilty, they're a farm in Cork, Ireland. Right. And so they've done this in New England, and they're looking to expand their footprint kind of okay. further down the East Coast. And so they did it with New England Brewing Company, I think. Right. And, and so then they've targeted Mar- uh, Manor Hill because we're a farm and it kind of has that synergy. And so we're doing the same thing. Okay, so they reached out to yeah, you. Yeah, so they reached out to us. They're like, <laughs> hey, we've got a farm here in Cork and you guys have a similar kind of vibe. Like, let's let's do another kind of release so that we can get a mid-Atlantic kind of approach. Yeah, so yeah, we're doing like some... a round robin on these barrels. They're just going to keep going back and forth with products. Um, and we'd like to, and we're hoping to do the same thing with McClintock. Yeah, my first thought was, um, how the heck did you get hooked up with a distillery in Ireland? It was <laughs> yeah, connections, through, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did so they didn't distill anything from you guys, did they? Or did they distill? No, it's okay. their own. It's their neutral grain spirit gotcha. from their crop of barley, their house, their you know terroir, and everything like that. Their process. Yeah. Uh, it's just more about um, a. It's a second use of a barrel. Yeah to pull the beer character into that product and then repackage it and sell it here. Yeah, because I know they um, they had done with Monocacy, they distilled a batch of Brutus and a batch of Riot Rye mm-hmm. that they're, that's now sitting in barrels. And I think once they harvest those, Monocacy's going to take those barrels back and age. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. I thought you were talking about the Clonakilty thing. No, no, um, I mean, no, no. no. They they took our Imperial Stout. Yeah, and I distilled thought so. It. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yes, the Clintock did. did. Yeah, Clintock did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely I was, on was, I was not clear different on barrel, that. different boat. Sorry. <laughs> no, they took our um, our stout and and distilled it, and that's what's going into their. Barrel. Yeah, because I thought yeah. I had stopped in there one day, and I thought that's what they were doing. That which, which stout is it, or was it brewed just for that project? Mm, I'd have to ask Kurt. I think yeah. it was specific to that project okay um i i love those those types of just collaborations it's cool crossing over alcohol types and mm-hmm. being able to take uh uh pieces from both the distillery and the brewery and put each other's stamps on them and it's just it's amazing how much of a beer still comes through once you distill it Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's definitely notes of the beer after it's even after it's distilled for which, sure. Which I never like. I never would have thought that that would come through like that. Like mm-hmm. I would assume like just all stripped f- from it from the process of distilling. And that's one where it's hard to keep. You have to decide who's going to stay home and make the donuts and who's going to actually <laughs> like get to go on this yeah, field who trip gets to have the fun. Yeah. And... So those are those are tough ones that they have to they have to I don't know draw straws to figure it out. So will you get those um, barrels back after? I would assume so, but I think they're going to take a longer rest at McClintock. I think that once the once we send them back, that's probably like a year to year and a half that their product will be in there okay. before we see them again. But there will be a flow of barrel and product back and going f- back and forth. In well, yeah, because they 
they they age usually 18 or so months depending on what size barrel they put it in yeah these are 30 gallon i think that's about right so that months we um you'll get to try this soon but the the hop infused whiskey we made with them i they gave me the barrel from one of the barrels left over and we filled it with the the beer that i just did came out with saints row and idiom the that stout cool filled the no cover barrel with um (coughs) up with that stout so he also put in some rum barrels too so i'm excited to see what uh one for all tastes like barrel aged i think i I need an invitation (laughs) for that (laughs) yeah if we need an invitation if um if past past experiences replay themselves i will know when he's when mike's gonna put it on tap the day before it happens because <laughs> right. i think that the the release of uh one for all was moved up like two weeks it was like we canned it and then he called me the next day he's like hey we're gonna release it today i'm like oh okay <laughs> i guess i'll let me clear my calendar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so you guys do a decent amount of collaborations then it seems like uh we've i mean i'm before my time i'm not quite sure how many i know we've done i think they're like four or five i was gonna say like two or three in, a year last year yeah. yeah for sure um the first one that we did when since i've been there was with astrolab and matt cronin and yeah. emma whalen um it was a, a beer called gentleman's game uh was, the idea was a more like a cricket match um, north south so we had the northern hemisphere beers you know influence from like Curtin and our brewing style and matt's kiwi style with the new zealand hops and it paired up pretty well um we've, we've done hysteria hysteria and black flag so we've mm-hmm. hit and a lot of the columbia breweries just getting our neighbors involved too yeah. uh later this year we're going to be doing a collaboration with crooked crab i know the guys are talking to some folks at union to see about doing something with them oh cool um, but yeah, we're, we're up for a good partnership and a good collaboration. It's a fun day. Crooked crab seems to like all of a sudden taken off. Like they were, I mean, they were good when they opened. I enjoyed, we had them on, I enjoyed their beer, but it just seems like they're everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about them. They're brewing beer with everyone. It's like they did a complete turn at some point or I just wasn't paying attention and now well, I think forever I Anne Arundel County didn't have anything, and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody was in a race to be the first one there, and now they're kind of standing out too. Well, it helps to have good beer. You know, once you make yeah. a good product and people notice who you are, they want to have it. Yeah, they've it. Been lo- I guess they've been they've, around long enough to have built a name yeah. for themselves. Yeah. And do you know what you're making with them? Uh, I defer. That's Kurt. Uh. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what they've got planned. Um, it'd be, I mean – crooked we have crooked beak crooked crab there's yeah. gotta be something crooked in there somewhere <laughs> it's just a picture of a crab with a beak on it <laughs> crooked crab crooked. beak crooked claw <laughs> i don't know isn't there isn't there something named crooked claw it's probably a cider or something like that or maybe they have a beer named crooked claw oh, that would be weird though too i don't know um do you guys have what else do you guys have going on uh wow aside from the first friday releases we've got some we've got some limited one-offs that we're going to be doing um that are pretty much for the restaurants or like um 
we're doing like a lime salted pilsner that's going to be coming out around uh, Cinco de Mayo, which is probably going to be fairly limited. We should talk about, uh, so we have two cats on the farm that we got uh, the end of last year, Ginger and Marianne. So we had an internet contest to name our our two cats. They're working cats from Barks that we adopted um, to help us with critters on the farm. And they've been awesome at that. They grew up in uh, an abandoned row home in Baltimore City and have adapted to farm life since they've been down here. But we're naming two beers after them in May. And we're going to have an event with Barks where they're going to bring adoptable dogs and cats out to the farm. So they're going to bring their mobile adoption unit and people can come out and try these beers. They're going to be a first Friday release. And then on May 9th, they're going to have an adoption event at the farm. Was it hard to adopt cats to use as like farm cats? I, I'm meaning the process and the yeah. paperwork. I, I mean, it was it was a little bit you know, there was a lot of paperwork to fill out and we had to prove that like we were going to take care of them and be responsible. But Barks is always looking for, for help and for people to kind of shine some light on what they do. So I just know the process is fairly rigorous. You can adopt a child easier than you can adopt an animal. (laughs) Yeah. So like I I would, I, I would just think that there's a possibility they could have a problem with the idea of letting it roam around on a yeah. farm. To... And they were outdoor cats to begin with. So, okay, so yeah. made it easier. So that minds. they didn't have to like make sure the home was safe and you know, they're just, here's where they're going to be. And we had to keep them contained for a little while till yeah. they knew their territory, but it wasn't, it wasn't too compli- complicated. Probably pretty well fed. Yeah, for sure. Ginger and Marianne <laughs> are the most spoiled barn cats I've ever seen. They have like fluffy beds that are heated. They get fed out of, a, out of like a porcelain bowl every day. They come by and meow when they're hungry and everyone like, oh, what do you need, sweetie? Like, these are not outdoor cats at all. <laughs> That's because my grandparents' farm, they're, like cats would just show up all the time. Yeah. Like, you'd walk outside, oh, there's a bunch of new cats. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't seen any other random ones coming by trying to glom onto that yet, but that might be next, like once they hear how good it is. Unless those two don't want to ruin their <laughs> yeah. good thing and just fight them off. <laughs> yeah, and the mouse count in some of the outside barns is way down since we got the cat, so definitely a good thing. So I've been asking this of a lot of our guests lately. Um, what do you think are going to be the trends in craft beer in 2020 hmm i think you're going to see a weeding out in 2020 i think that's going to be one of the trends is you're going to see places that are kind of on the cusp and haven't figured out their identity or their process or their product you're going to see those guys falling off more so than a product i think you're going to see like things getting sorted out so you think there will be closures this year I think so. Yeah, I think I think you're going to see a fair number. Um, And then I see people that are going to that people that are known for kind of their one thing. They're going to kind of consolidate and rally around that one thing. Um, We mentioned another brewery that was known for a particular style of beer. I don't want to mention their name. Um, They're going to hang on to that and say this is ours, and we're going to hang on to this. So I think your people are going to be grabbing territory and trying to just hang on to it. I think from from a marketing side, I think it'll be interesting to see where this like low calorie, like lifestyle beer kind of takes people. I think, you know, not necessarily seltzer, but just a lot of people are coming out with the low calorie yeah. thing and seeing if that really has legs or if it's just kind of a flash in the pan. I think that'll be an interesting one to watch too. Do you, does Manor Hill have plans for, and maybe you have already, uh, it, to do any cider or to get into the hard seltzers? 
we don't have plans for hard seltzer. We have a, a sparkling water that's non-alcoholic that's been doing pretty well for us. We're about to to go into Whole Foods. Oh, cool. And and be a part of their distribution network. And um, that's been doing well for us at the restaurants as like a mixer yeah. for cocktails. So it's like a bubbly or LaCroix, but it's it's local and all natural. So so we don't have plans for hard seltzer, but the non-alcoholic sparkling has been has been a good product for us. What about cider? Cider, we haven't ever had that conversation, so I don't see that in our future. Yeah. I have I have a call for a trend. What's that? Clean continental lagers, please. Let everyone start <laughs> making them, let it take on take hold. I would love to see that. Well, that's in the the two things a lot of people have listed is um, pilsners and um, just loggers in general becoming more coming more back into favor and more breweries making more of them and uh, West Coast IPAs mm-hmm. coming back and being a strong as strong of a style as they used to be. Yeah, our IPAs are number one seller, but our pilsner is by far our fastest growing brand. Like we've seen just in the last year, that one's, it's number two and a strong number two for us. Yeah. And DC is number one. Yeah. Which IPA or is it just your the IPAs house IPA? In no, okay. just the Manor house IPA. IPA. Yeah. Okay. Manor Hill. Um, the, so it's interesting. Do you think, do you think it's because of there being a, the bubble that people have been talking about for years or do you think it's just the point that it's like the natural competition of where you see it all the time in restaurants where it's just there are enough where it's not a bubble so places have to close. But if you're not up to par with your con- – like there are places that aren't keeping up with their competition and that's why we'll start seeing places close a little bit more often. I think the craft – beer drinker has become more particular and educated because they have so many choices and they're not going to suffer fools. Um, and I think they're also going to know what their preferences are and they're going to gravitate towards the people that meet that, that demand. And, and I've also heard it explained, you know, that a lot of these craft breweries can, can operate as pubs and like satisfy the local market in their neighborhood and they have to figure out how far outside of that like tap room experience they can expand and some may push the limit too far and that's when you saturate the market and there's not enough room for everybody but if you want to operate just in your neighborhood and be the local pub the local corner kind of spot then there's enough room for for you to do that yeah i th- i think the the like the places who started small and intend to stay small are safe. Exactly. Like yeah, that's a better like way to say it. Yeah. In your neighborhood. Like a, yeah, if yeah. You're tap tap room focused, and that's yeah. the, what you want to be. That that's as long as you're making good beer, you're safe mm-hmm. there. So it'll be more of like places that have tried to take that next step and maybe weren't quite on par Ready with for it. A, yeah. That makes sense, because yeah. I still don't. I like. I still don't think that there's like a saturation point. Because yeah. I would agree with you. Because if you're like, because when you just look at it, the raw numbers, like especially Frederick, for example, there may be a lot of breweries, but they don't need to sell a ton of beer for them to survive, because uh, so many of them are built around that the pub aspect of it that 
that it's their tap room that's that they just need to keep the tap room full and there's plenty of people to make that happen yeah it's two completely different business models when you're going from the tap room distribution um with a tap room you've got um you've got limited quantity high margin and when you go to distribution it's the inverse you have high quantity limited margin so uh you're trying to figure out what's the sustainability point and most of the guys that have tried to reach without that aren't well funded that have tried to reach out to distribution get crushed because of the capital cost it's cans it's it's product it's warehouse space it's trucks it's people it's all this crap that you never thought about when you thought you were going to start making beer um that's a very very big pivot point for someone to go from hey i'm going to do this and take a 20 dollar bill to i'm going to put my beer on a truck on a shelf in a place i can't see and hope that it sells um a lot of guys can't make that move or make it make it competently. Yeah. Um, and I guess five years ago, could you well, – I guess farm breweries, you were always able to sell direct. Right? Yeah, we were class eight, so we had different restrictions. I mean, we still had restrictions on yeah. what we could self-distribute, but it was different than class five. And so now the, the lifted restriction of class five brings them more in line with everybody else. So Manor Hill was always able to sell a pint directly in a in the tasting room. Yeah, and we could always self distribute as much as yeah. we wanted. We just had a cap on how big we could grow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so because I think that's a, like a lot of the the breweries that have been around for the five, six, seven years that are heavy into distribution they kind of benefited from having to do that. Mm -hmm. Like if you opened a brewery, then your only option was distribution. You couldn't sell a beer through the tap room. Um, So it makes sense that those ones have the large distribution network built out and that they, so much of their beer goes out in distribution. Um, well, and Manor Hill started that way as well. I mean, we had a limited capacity in our in our tasting room of self-imposed, but we yeah. had a, a limited capacity. We sought that distribution network and really grew it out. Yeah. I mean, last year we were up, I think, what, 60, 65%. Oh, wow. Uh, in our distribution channels, we became a top 10 brand for our distributor. Um, we opened a new market in D.C. I mean, like... In Delaware. In Delaware. And we've got like this very like solid footprint to work from. That's um, what I meant. And say. now we're revisiting the taproom model and going, wait, there's all this. Let's un- bring all these people there's back all this to low us. hanging fruit yeah. that we've missed. So there's um, a lot of profit that we can. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just, you know, experience and, yeah. and tying people to our brand and getting them to come to us and see what we're about. Well, and that's what it, it helps to build, even though I, I don't think there's nearly as much as there used to be, but it helps to build that little bit of brand loyalty. Sure. Like the, I think the the days of, this is the beer I drink and that's all I drink are kind of gone. I'm sure they're I'm sure though Manor Hill has customers like their their regular bill, beer is the Grisette. You just want it in their fridge at all times yeah, and they replenish it as needed. I love yeah. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um but I think that's probably less common now yeah. out in the craft beer realm at least. I'm sure in macro beer that's still the norm like People aren't like, oh, I'm going to try Coors Light this week. No, I'm going to go with Bud Light this time. Never happened. (laughs) (laughs) I think they still solidly sit in their camps, but craft beer drinkers don't have quite the brand loyalty that they used to have and that macro beer drinkers have. 
Yeah. And I think that's the challenge is like when you're trying to, you're talking about saturation and differentiation is I think you have to make sure that people know you not by this particular can or this particular release or that thing they did three years ago, but the fact that every beer that they put out is consistently good. Yeah. And that if I go there for an experience, I know it's going to be a good one. And that's what we're trying to do is like all of our beers are good. All of our beers are clean. Um, we have a great customer experience. It's worth going out and just seeing what's there. Even if you don't know, you haven't seen the latest, you know, um, untapped listing or, you know, whatever the tap or whatever the chalkboard says, you know that you're going to go and have a good time. Which uh, distributor do you guys use? Legends. Okay. Legends in so, DC and Maryland and other side in Delaware. And then we're self-distributed in Montgomery County into our restaurants um, and in uh, Montgomery County, we work with uh, the Craft Coalition, Jason Gocher okay. and his team. Other Side has done an amazing job of creating a portfolio of every sought-after brewery. I think they've done a good <laughs> job of collecting the cards. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like they have like that's a good way to put it. It's like they almost have like a trading card collection mm-hmm. in their portfolio of only the whales. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And that's yeah. the product that they tend to look for from us as well. They like the first Friday beers. They like the Citrus yeah. Splendor, um, the Hazy Juicy, the Fruity Sour. Um, that's definitely their focus. Yeah, they have a deck of uh, Lemieux. Jordan, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, puck face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm very intrigued by Craft Coalition and that that one two combo of Craft Coalition and Free State. Um, craft Beer Delivery is that the full name? Uh, Free State Craft Beer Delivery and yeah. Craft Coalition. Yeah, yeah, like mm-hmm. <clears throat> that. Totally separate entities. Not yeah, one hundred percent. separate, but they share a lot of the same customers, not because they're affiliated, right? <clears throat> but well, I want I want to have them on and talk to because I'm very intrigued by that. You should totally talk to them, uh, to both of them, and maybe not in the same episode so that no one gets confused. But uh, I was very fortunate coming to Manor Hill because Jason was our beer director um he opened the brewery he had a vision for the brand he knew how to tap the distribution channels to get a relationship um a lot of savvy he knew how to read the market and how to respond to it and he has taken the bits and pieces of that and seen an opportunity outside of a particular brand and filled a need in a market and i think he's going to be very successful like dan dan's done the same thing with uh, beer delivery um, not every brewery can have its own dedicated truck, dedicated driver, or dedicated route. Um, he's seen the niche to try to consolidate that need and fill it. And uh, both of them are, are viable, really cool models. Yeah. Well, because it, it, <clears throat> it eliminates that, um, like, well, I guess, like driving an empty truck. Yeah. Where uh, a brewery in Baltimore is bringing one keg to a restaurant in Frederick doesn't make sense at all. But if Dan has a truck full of several breweries bringing one keg to Frederick, it, then the, the economics make sense. Mm-hmm. And it also encourages the self-distribution model that yeah. like just opened up from legislation. It allows breweries to then, all right, now we're allowed to do it. How do we logistically make it happen? And without capital intensive. Yeah, in the, of, and there's the other yeah. part of it is, yeah. Not not a lot of breweries want to shell out 
I don't even know how much a delivery truck costs. And a warehouse. I guess it's not cheap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And gas and wear and tear and insurance and broke down driver. That's another part of it. The guys burn out. So, yeah. And a broke down truck or Mm -hmm. any of the many things. Flat tire. Time to take your pick. Yeah, you just offload all those problems mm-hmm. to someone yeah. else. Yo, Dan. <laughs> yo, yo, problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, le- actually, Legends is kind of like other side too, though. Le- How so? From the standpoint of like having a stacked deck of in their portfolio. Portfolio. Yeah. Well, they've got a pretty deep deck to begin with. Yeah, I mean um, it's deep, but it's yeah. like it's pretty stacked of mm-hmm. the the bigger sought after brands and. And we knew from Victoria Gastropub, they were a distributor that we were on the other side yeah. with them. Not that other side, but just we were buying beer from Legend. So when we opened our own brewery, we we're like, which of these distributors makes the most sense as a partner? And Legends like stood out. So we were able to do that competitive intelligence in like yeah. a very like yeah, that actually, real way because yeah. like, we were buyers. Yeah, you have added yeah. uh, added uh, data points yeah. in the, from the other side of the standpoint. Yeah, Are there... Are there any kind of issues with? Well, I guess there's not because there's plenty of paid places that do. When you own so many parts of the three tier, yeah, the legislation had to be passed and to allow that all to happen. But it's uh, it's all clean now. But it was it was a rocky road to be able to be a, a manufacturer and a retailer. Okay, so they yeah. did make it difficult. Yeah, okay. yeah. So the legislation didn't exist to hold both of those licenses, and so <laughs> Randy, our owner. Is very plugged into Annapolis helped okay. kind of make all that happen. Um, yeah, when we had um, the last time Denizens was on, they had just signed with Legends, so a couple people from Legends came in and they were just talking about how like they're selective about what what breweries they bring on because like they obviously have limited bandwidth of being able to sell and they don't want to just bring on tons and tons of breweries if they can't actually dedicate resources to making it a, a successful relationship from both sides. So it's like they seem to have the, uh, just like other side, a stack mm-hmm. deck of top tier breweries. Yeah. And for me, I mean, this is the part for my experience that's totally new. I have not had to deal with those relationships before. I've never dealt with a distributor um, but luckily, between um, Jason and Dave Wekeser, who is our brand manager at Legends, um, they had this groundwork laid for this great relationship and the share of information and, you know, what do we need from you? What do you need from us? Um, I inherited this beautiful network that's already in place, and I just have to, like, keep it. Don't break keep it. And a strong don't, sales don't, team. Don't mess yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, and an awesome sales team um, that just that goes out. Our sales team goes out and supports the uh, distributors out in the field and like, you know, gets them to, yo, key this order for this guy. Um, I mean, I, I'm very, very fortunate to have this, you know, already existing for Manor Hill. A lot of guys don't, that are getting into the distribution don't really have an appreciation for that dynamic. And it's not just like, Oh, they're going to write me a check and put my beer in a truck and now I'm done. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You need to support your brand. And, um, that was an education and, um, very lucky to have those resources in place um how much beer are you guys producing a year now uh we're looking to do about seven thousand seventy five hundred barrels this wow, year that much yeah so it's uh, it's like seventh or eighth in the state of maryland i guess yeah, I say, if you yeah. count guinness i don't know where they you know if, if they're part of it or not yeah i wonder if they'd even be number one which 
Guinness. The, the Guinness Open Gate yeah. location. Oh, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what their number is, but I don't know. Yeah, they have to brew more than than, than uh, flying, flying, dog. flying Dog does. I don't know. Their brew house is certainly sized for it. Yeah, because it's a it's a hundred hectoliter, and I don't remember what that is in real numbers. It's like eighty eighty five barrel. 80, oh yeah, you know those barrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, well, but they're doing like four or five turns a day. Yeah, because it's like I mean, it's built yeah, just to to do that. I'll have to ask them because uh, I think I think Flying Dog hit like one hundred twenty thousand. If uh, I think that's the number I heard from one of their last time. Yeah, but how much of that's actually in Maryland? <clears throat> That versus, they're brewing in, oh yeah, because they brew a lot in Pennsylvania. Yeah, you're right. There's they're probably not. I don't think they have that capacity here in Frederick. Yeah, they may. Right. I mean, they may. I don't mean to. Uh, no, they don't, because that's why they had to start using was yeah. it Star Hill or someplace or something like that. I don't. Yeah, I'm whoever sure. they use for. I mean, it's no secrets on the bottle. I think. Yeah. Um, the yeah, you're right. They yeah, so a portion, it's a portion of that is Pennsylvania out, outsourced. Yeah. Um okay, yeah. When I forgot I completely forgot about that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's got Guinness has to be number one. And then Flying Dog, like, Heavy Seas, Union Union, Evolution is still okay, out there. Yeah. Uh RAR's ahead of us still. Jailbreak? Uh yeah, yeah jailbreak. I would imagine jailbreak. Yeah. Jailbreak's brewing a lot. Yeah. I guess I'd never realized that. Yeah, but on a farm, I mean, we I probably mean, it's got to be. A, we're the number one farm brewery production size for sure. I wonder where we're ranking the country. That's got to be pretty high in the country as a farm brewery. Farm, goes yeah, too, we should right? look into that. Never, yeah. never looked that up. <laughs> I would. I mean, I, I got it because I'm sure if Hill Farmsteads got us beat. <laughs> well, that, I mean, like yeah. that, I, that. That was my first thought. I was like, they probably yeah. make more than that. Although it's still, I mean, they don't make a ton, ton of beer, do they? I'd have to and look they're not them distributing up. quite. I mean, Vermont's not a big state. No, but they're doing it all out of that one spot. Yeah. Or most of it. All right. Will you look that up for me and get back to me? Because now I'm curious <laughs> and I don't want to put any effort into it. Fair enough. <laughs> I got you. All right, gentlemen. Um, is there anything I left out? I think I. Not for me. I don't know what it. I think it's one of those computers. It's driving me crazy. Did you guys hear the high pitched? There's something like, humming. Yeah, it's annoying. It's, it's the anti coronavirus machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just creating ozone <laughs> to kill off germs. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for coming coming out, giving thank you, us Chris. a rundown of what uh, Manor Hill has in store, making me realize how big Manor Hill is now. Yeah, come out and visit now. No reservations. Which is perfect for lazy people like me that don't plan ahead. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna. I think. Uh, what was it? June twentieth. June twentieth. Festival. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, if I put that on the calendar now, I could probably actually make it to that. You should totally come. It'll yeah. be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a big day for us. My calendar is free that day. Although the next day is Father's Day. I feel like there's something that we can never run. Um. Eric, it's always a pleasure seeing you. I hope you, you come too. to the uh, I'm Trying to Nap release at Cugini's. I'll be there. I mean, it's right down the street from my house. <laughs> for, for sure, I'll be there. Um, oh, wait. There was, there was something else I wanted to talk to you about, and now it completely slipped my mind. 
Oh, Poolsville Spring Fest, maybe? That's, yes. I, yes. I actually, I wanted you to talk about that. Yeah, um, it is Saturday. I don't have the date. Is it the 16th? It's the um, day before Christmas. You start giving details, and I'll look up the date. Yeah, it's, uh, we're looking to do 20 breweries, um, Town of Poolsville. Uh, Manor Hill is going to be a part of it, obviously. Uh, but Danny Glazer from Cuginis and I have been working to kind of uh, reach out to some of the breweries. It's May 16th. May 16th, yeah. Two to seven. Two to seven. Um, there will be. I'm. I'm thinking we're going to do advanced ticket sales, but it'll be a. It'll be a fun day. I think last year we had about four or five hundred people. I think we're probably looking to get maybe a little more this year. Um, same ish, twenty ish number of breweries, food, bands, Crafts, kid, all kinds um, of... family fun. There's a lot of stuff yeah, for kids to do. There's kids, kids games, face painting. Like it's not just a beer festival. Yeah, it's, it's, my kids it's enjoyed for themselves. Families. And Poolsville is just a quaint little fun town. Yeah, we have events every Friday night uh, throughout the summer called Friday on the Commons. There's either a movie or a band. Um, there's a bouncy house and a sprinkler set up for the kids. Um, I'm going to be doing a beer event on the 20-whatever last week of June is called Red, White, and Brews, which leads up to the 4th of July. There's another wine event, and then, of course, there's the Oktoberfest. But um, it's definitely a family-friendly town. I love living there very much a part of the community and um, you should come out and bring your families and just be a part of it too. So now that both you and Danny live in Poolsville, are you battling over who's like the king of beer there? Or have you joined forces to just come become one unstoppable beer team? I think when the dust settles down <laughs> from him moving and my moving and all the other stuff, we're going to try to figure a way to join forces and okay. like <laughs> make it all happen. So, but no, it's not competitive at all. Danny and I are good friends and he's got, he's got his, uh, um, the beer program at Cajini's, which is like none other for a, a small town. He's got the best beer list probably in, in like our, it's certainly Montgomery County, but like definitely a, within around, Poolsville. Oh, definitely in Poolsville. <laughs> um, but he's just, he gets some really cool stuff in there. Yeah. He runs some great events and, um, he's built enough relationships yeah. that, I mean, he, I can't, I mean, I can't think of any place else in northern definitely northern montgomery county to mm-hmm. mid montgomery county that's has a a better tap list or a better beer program yeah i mean it's up as there you with get crown close- and you know all those places uh for sure as you get closer to dc there may be something but by far the best in northern montgomery county and on yeah and their pizza's amazing Pizzas are great. Sandwiches are great. People that work there are great. Barbie is very supportive of everything that we do in town. Um, she lets us use her walk-in. We need cooler space. She buys up the extra beer from the events. Um, it's just a good relationship. So, yeah, I would encourage people to go to Spring Fest. I finally was able to make it to it last year. It was a good time. It's a bunch of cool breweries. And you – it it I think it's a curated li- list of breweries too. So it's mm-hmm. there. it's a lot of – the the breweries that you want to get beer from yeah i mean not that we're excluding anyone but yeah um, obviously i mean we go with anyone who's not right. there it's not because you're not good it's because of space restraints right but, I mean, or because of a relationship yeah you know, we like good beer we invite people to make good beer so it's a good day and they and i noticed too it was a festival where like all the breweries brought their a game mm-hmm. like a lot of festivals breweries won't bring their best beers, um, mainly probably because of economics of bringing expensive beers to a beer festival that you don't make a lot of money at. But at the Poolsville one, 
um, everyone had some of their best beers with them. So it, I, that was another a- aspect of the day that I thought was cool. Yeah. Well, it also tells you a little bit about how cool the event and how cool the people in town are. Um, these brewers actually ask us, when are you doing this event again? Can we come back? Um, usually an event like this is just like, oh God, it's one more beer festival on my calendar. These guys are actually seeking us out and asking, hey, can we come again next year? Because they had such a good time last year. I mean, the only complaint I have, if you could do something about how ridiculously hot it was last year. Well, we do have the misting tents and the sprinkler. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, sorry, I can't control mother nature. All right, so that, um, and Eric, give a quick rundown. How do people find Manor Hill? Uh, so manorhillbrewing.com, that's where you'll find out all our limited releases, all our upcoming events, manorhillbrewing.com slash farm fest is where we're going to have sell, selling tickets to the farm fest in June. And on social media, social media, media manorhill Manor 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 brew is our handle on all the social media. Awesome. Once again, thank you two for coming out and, uh, sharing what you have going on. I, I mean, I, if you really want a full shot, I'll give you one. Feels like communion. That, <laughs> that is what these are. <laughs> That's a lot of the distilleries put by their sample shot glasses as communion from, from uh, like the church, church, su- church yeah, supply. From church supply stores. Nice. Where's my cracker? <laughs> yeah. That's why I should, I, could get, I should get a bunch of hosts. And you need like the miter. <laughs> Uh, so thank you guys for coming out thank you for bringing uh some of your delicious beer with you and uh thank you everyone for watching and listening cheers thank you chris thanks uncapped is brought to you with support from mcclintock distilling maryland's first and only organic certified distillery they are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.